all the way from the land down under, we welcome the Health Bloke Podcast. Talking all this wellness. You name it, the Health Bloke will discuss it, talk about it, or prove it. Whether it's about fitness, food, lifestyle, or more. He's a realist, he's relatable, and he's really good. So settle in, relax, and enjoy. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. Today's episode, Resetting Your Benchmarks, is a fascinating interview with Michael Forbes. Welcome, Forbesy. Thanks, Tom. Mate, uh, it's, um, it's a fascinating story for me, and I guess you probably wouldn't describe it that way yourself. But before we get into the podcast, I'd just sort of like to touch on um, who you were pre-accident, and then once I've sort of done a little bit of intro about you know, where you've come from, then I'll get you to sort of explain a little bit more detail to the listeners about what actually happened back in, uh, in 2009. How does that sound? Sounds good. And if I get anything wrong, mate, certainly certainly jump in. But I've certainly I've done a little bit of research about uh, Michael Forbes from uh, Country New South Wales, and I guess, mate, you're probably you're pretty gifted. You're you know a bit of a scholar and uh, and a sports star as well. Uh, look, I guess so. I um, I certainly worked hard athletically. My um, uh, parents are both sports nuts so I didn't have a lot of choice about it and yep. um, just worked pretty hard in the swimming pool was where it all started for me yeah right but but um, with a love of football as well that um, all gelled pretty well with living in Wagga which is as a lot of people would know a sporting mecca yeah right okay so from what I understand you obviously went through school good sportsman um, then you were awarded a scholarship to study IT um, and then during that period when you were studying, you, you started AFL umpiring at the highest level and also competing as an elite triathlete at the same time. That's right. We, from a sporting sense, the triathlon and um, football went well together because they're in and out of season. So over summer doing triathlon through through summer uh, kept you nice and fit. And then over winter, I um, had my football to to, to keep me interested and, and pay my way through uni. Yeah, so okay. It and was a good way to get by. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly a healthy lifestyle. But I, I read that you competed competitively for eight years, um, representing Australia at the World Championships in 2002 and two th- t- 2003. So you're obviously a very good athlete. Yeah, well, uh, as I said, worked worked hard and I, I had a good, uh, good aerobic base and good good cardio obviously from the work I'd done swimming as a kid and I ran for my umpiring and I rode to get places so okay. when they invented the sport of triathlon I thought well this sport's got to be for me so um, jumped in and tried one and finished third in the first one I ever tried and didn't really look back from there. Yeah okay so obviously you were in that sport for eight years Um when you were competing at the highest level, what was your, your aspiration or what was your goal? Was it you know a personal goal in terms of getting the best out of yourself, um, or you know did you always want to be a place finisher or a top two, or you know did you think you had the abilities to, to win the events? Um, yeah, obviously, me just being on the Australian team is an achievement, let alone sort of you know placing or winning or whatever. Yeah. 
look, very much so. And I was really proud of um, where I got to in triathlon. But uh, as a, a little bloke, five foot eight, you know what that's all about. I was ne- I was never um, never blessed with those long gazelle like legs that allowed me to finish the events off as I would have liked. Yeah. Um, but I, I just made sure that if I competed at an amateur level, I found I was not really challenging myself. I found it a bit easy to win, to be honest. Right. And I wanted to do uh, see how I went in the elite ranks and really push myself. And um, absolutely loved placing uh, high finishes but was realistically never a chance to win um, big races. Yeah, okay. um, certainly, yeah, the, the good guys run sub three-minute Ks and they can belt out 10 Ks in under 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my best effort was really sort of around the 33-minute mark for a, <laughs> for still, a 10K. Still super quick. Well, yeah, I, I was certainly pretty amazed that my body could do it, but um, there's some out there that can do a lot better. Sure. So obviously you had this athletic career, um, sporting career, and I assume at that stage, were you working in IT um, still when you were at the elite level of you know, pre-accident? Yeah, absolutely. Working full-time, yeah. but um, I had to compromise um, uh, a little bit, you would say. So rather than sort of going down the the... IT consulting path where you you really were expected to put the rest of your life on hold. Right. Uh, I knew that wasn't for me and just made sure I had a good work-life balance and um, was able to make sure I still had a, a good sporting career on the side of um, my work career, Yeah. But both AFL umpire-wise and also triathlon-wise. So it was more of a passion rather than a profession, the, the triathlon background absolutely and yeah. i was very realistic about it as much as it would have been nice to be good enough to to do it professionally um yeah. I, I was never really in that class right so yeah so i had a still had a full-time job but made sure it was one that i could fit exercise in before and after work and um even at lunchtime yeah. Okay. So yeah, pretty impressive. And then obviously um, you went on at, at you know early in the two thousands. You uh, got married and had a beautiful daughter. Indeed, I did. And at that stage, obviously everything was still going well. And then you had this. You were a victim of a traffic accident whilst training for a state time trial championships. That's uh, right. So same thing again. I mean, with the with my. Um, Work life and um, home life changing, being married and having a child, I'd, I'd wound back the exercise a little bit competitively sure. um, and was just sort of focusing on events, more specialist events yeah. at different times. So at that time I was training just for just for cycling. Okay. But um, yeah, in June 2008 I was on my way home from a training ride um, just on Beach Road here in Melbourne and was clipped uh, on my right arm by a passing truck that came a bit too close and ricocheted into the back of a parked four-wheel drive. Mm. Um, That unfortunately broke my neck and um, started my life as a quadriplegic. Yeah, so I guess for the listeners, and I've been fortunate enough to see you progress probably over the last five years with your 
um, your physical therapy and your training and I can actually see actually how far you've come. But I guess in terms of the topic of this podcast, resetting your benchmarks, you're obviously quite a high achiever um, pre-accident, um, you know, having a full-time job, being married, having a daughter, but also racing um, professionally as a well, semi-professionally as a triathlete. How did it come and what was your reaction when you probably woke up from from uh, the accident, how how is your immediate reaction? Yeah, it's it's quite a process, I guess you say. Waking up, um, it took about six days for me to yeah. c- come to, if you like. It's a series of morphine induced memories, which are very hazy, and um, you're really not sure what's going on. But when I came to about six days later, um, yeah, I'd, I'd had three separate operations, two on my neck and one on the jaw right. um, to, to stabilise everything. And um, when the nurse came over to me, I tried to speak and couldn't speak because I had a tracheotomy tube in to help me breathe and a um, nasal gastric as well to eat. Oh. Um, yeah, and I just mouthed the words, what happened? And she spoke to me and said, the doctor will come and speak to you tomorrow. You've broken your neck and you're quadriplegic. Um, he'll tell you that you won't be able to eat or breathe yourself again or walk. Um, and she just said, don't don't believe him. Um, believe in miracles. And uh, I guess those thoughts, as much as I'm not a believer in miracles, that certainly instilled in me a to have a hopeful outlook rather than just take it for what it was at that time. Yeah, sure. I mean, how, how did you – can you remember? I mean, you're obviously on a lot of drugs and, as you say, you're drifting in and out. But can you remember your immediate reaction? Were you reflecting on your wife, your daughter? Were you reflecting on your, um, you know, what you've done in the past and how much you were – you had had it, you'd achieved. Like for me, I, I, you know, and it's hard for someone that hasn't been through the circumstance that you've been through. But there'd probably be a number of questions running through my head if I was in that sim- similar situation. Yeah, I think even right from that point, I don't remember looking back too much. You are. Um, all I all I was thinking about was show me the exercises I need to do so that I can remove this breathing tube. Yes, incredible mindset. And, yeah, I just I just wasn't thinking too much about yep. what I'd lost. It was it was about where I was at that time, and, and I guess that's why I spoke about it being resetting your benchmarks. At, yeah. at that particular point in time, I couldn't breathe, and I wanted to breathe again. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't thinking too much about, um, what I'd lost, I certain, certainly was very conscious of the loved ones I had around me. Certainly, when I came to, my whole family was there, and um, certainly my wife and daughter um, were very, very much front and centre of um, my thinking. And I just had to make sure I got as well as I could to be with them again, yeah. and not be too, not not be too much of a burden. I mean, I guess, you know, from their point of view, and it might be fortunate, and you can answer this question for me, but your daughter was probably pretty young then. Does she have any uh, memory of, you know, you being in such an extreme um, situation? 
no, she doesn't. So she was three when right. the accident happened. Yeah. And um, she doesn't. She doesn't remember me before the yeah. accident, so she has no memory of me able-bodied. Okay. And as much as she um, doesn't remember the early days in and around the hospital, it certainly affected affected her greatly during those years when, you know, when everything's fun, you know, when you're three and yeah. five, you, you wake up as a kid and the whole world's your oyster. And for her, she was off to visit her dad in hospital each day. So sure. I think as a result, I've got a very... Um, a happy but a very serious, um, very serious child. Yeah, okay. Um, and you know, as a result, she's she's a wonderful help to me now. Yeah. But um, she's just a a good, pleasant kid to be around. And um, yeah, I, I think that's partly due to it's yeah yeah it's partly due to those early years, I guess. Sure. And, and what about your wife? I mean, obviously, you know, she, she was fit as well. You you were fit. And then in the blink of an eyelid, all of a sudden, I guess both of you, your whole, uh, whole life's been spun upside down. Yeah, she had to put her life on hold, really. So um, she got leave from work and, and she was at my bedside with my daughter each day to help us um, get through the situation we were in. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, and obviously, I guess, um, being such a competent athlete, do you think that mindset um, and also your, your physical capabilities and your fitness level going into the accident has actually helped you along the way? I think very much so. Very much so. Um, from a, a training sense, when you're, you're training, whether it's for umpiring football or, or triathlon or, or just getting better at the gym, you, you really you think about the here and now, what are you working on at that particular time and you focus on um, improving that aspect of what you're trying to improve at that time. Yeah. And um, I think that's the approach I very much took to my recovery. But I think also a, a good physiological knowledge of um, – how to look after yourself from a health perspective, but also just how the body um, and and your musculoskeletal system worked. Yeah. Um, I think that really helped me. Yeah. So obviously you've been knocked off the bike, you wake up after six days, um, and you, you mentioned then your mindset was, I need to breathe again, I need to breathe again. Your short-term goal and focus is on breathing again. Can you give the listeners a little bit of a background about, you know, from that day onwards, what was the actual rehabilitation process until you, you left the hospital um, to arriving home? Yeah, so it's, I was three weeks in the um, ICU at, yeah. at um, the Austin Hospital here in Heidelberg. And from there you move to the acute spinal ward, yeah. which, which is another six weeks. And um, yeah, it, it took me the full six weeks to train my um, chest to be strong enough to breathe again. And did you have to reach so, specific benchmarks along the way before you transitioned to you know, another rehab facility or before you moved out of ICU? Like, was there a process that, okay, I said, right, Forbesy, you are stuck here until you can do X, Y, and Z? Uh, 
don't. No, not necessarily. They, they sort of get you as well as they can before they ship you on. But right. I had in my head I wasn't leaving that acute spinal board until I was detached from the breathing tubes. Right. So, um, yeah, but that was the goal I set myself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, some other things started to happen in those early stages as well. I, You know, while you're lying in bed with not a lot else to do, because um, you can't. Yeah. I, I was just visualising moving things and um, activating different muscles in my body and just reminding my brain of how to send those messages. Yeah. And... Um, in those early stages, I started to get twitches and and a little bit of movement, and my, I could move the the big toe on my right foot, which is sort of where it all started. Right. So, so little things like that is obviously, you know, for us it seems like a minor achievement, but for you, that's been you know able-bodied and then a full quadriplegic to get little um, acknowledgements, acknowledgements that you know there is some uh, some movement would just sort of reinvigorate your goal and your focus to achieving, you know, the next step, whatever that might be. Absolutely. And I, I never looked um, too far ahead because I think it's – in this condition, if, if you look way too far ahead and say, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to walk again or whatever it is, yeah. then it's just – it's too big a step to make. Right. You, you've just got to focus on the, the little steps to do – um, do the next piece, and you know before you walk again, you've you've got to be able to sit on yeah. on the edge of a bed unsupported. You know there's there's so many steps along the way to being able to you know go down the go down the path of looking at walking again. Yeah, and I guess there's some really good learnings in that there for the listener, Forbes, in terms of goal setting. You know, maybe too many people do look too far ahead. And never actually reach their goal because they're un- unrealistic one, or they just don't set the you know, the small short-term goals, as you say, that you need to achieve uh, in an effort to actually get to your end goal. Absolutely, I think it's if you if there's something really big you you do want to achieve, yeah, sure, have it in the back of your mind, but you do need to know what the steps are yep. along the way and and the timelines that. Um, are realistic to achieve those yeah. achieve those smaller goals. Yeah. And um, I wasn't even setting timelines because I didn't know how long some of these things would take, but I certainly went into it with a, a mindset of being very patient and persistent with what I was doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, to put it in perspective with spinal cord injury, it takes – you know, it might take you three weeks, I think, to get a result in a gym or um, doing some sort of training. Three weeks of good, solid effort, and you'll you'll see results. Yeah. But with with a spinal cord injury and retraining a nervous system, um, it's more like you know three to six or even eighteen months for some things. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Well, uh, and that's challenging in itself, isn't it? Just you know to be so goal orientated or focused for that long I guess a lot of us struggle um, you know with a timeline specifically when it's as long as that yeah and you've got to you've got to really go out of your way to celebrate the the small achievements yep you know whether it's um, in 
yeah, some of it you, you're really splitting straws, but you've still got to celebrate yeah. those achievements. And that's again um, for the listener. Is that just more of a mindset thing more than anything? Forbes, that that you know positive energy against instilling you confidence that you're improving day by day. Absolutely, but it's you, you've got to bring a positive mindset yep. to the game to begin with. But having people around you with that positive mindset also really helps. Sure. Um, and yeah, if, if you've got negativity working one way in a in a relationship, it just it, it kills it immediately. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think as as much as I've got to make sure I bring a positive mindset. Having those positive people around you really just does make it work. Yeah, and I think obviously there is a team, um, certainly a team that you need to support you ongoing, and you've got that in your um, your immediate family. But is, is there a bigger team that supports you outside of the household? Absolutely. So certainly in my um, my regular visits to the gym, I've got um, Patrick Legg from um, Energy Lab. He certainly has been a big part of the picture and it really is and I'm pretty sure he gets buoyed by the time we spend together but um, he, he's been really good at bringing a, a positive mindset to the game yeah. each time we go to the gym. And I, I mean, it's, uh, it'd be super rewarding for him at the same stage too, I think, in terms of you know, obviously the journey's been hard and it's had its battles but you two have got a great relationship um, and I reckon he gets a lot of satisfaction out of having someone like you that is so goal-orientated and so focused on the task. Uh, and that's probably this. It's just getting the most out of yourself day by day, isn't it, really? That's right. That's right. And, and um, yeah, as you, as you say, you just got to keep fronting up again and again. Yeah. And, um, and just keep persisting. So you just uh, touched on, you know, never looking back and your positive mindset and you know, celebrating these small achievements. I assume, like anything, like all of us, mate, there are dark days and dark times. Absolutely. Plenty of them, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, and is that stemmed by frustration? Is it stemmed by, um, you know, the lack of independence or is it stemmed by um, the levels of pain that you go through? And you know, Is yeah, there anything specific it, that triggers off, you know? Yeah, it's uh, certainly in the early years, um, I really struggled with what I was unable to do and there were some situations which are, are really quite hard for me, even now. Yeah. So um, obviously with the, the sport and whatever I did before, I love the beach. Yeah, okay. And um, unfortunately now you put me in the water, I'll drown. Yeah. So um, I find, I, even you know to this day, I find beaches really hard places to go mentally. Yeah, okay. Um, just because you really are sitting in a sitting in a chair watching. Yeah. So um, I, I try and avoid those, to be honest. Sure. But, um, yeah, I've still worked out a week, but I'm not going to – but I, by the same token, I can't stop my wife and daughter enjoying going to the beach themselves because yeah. certainly my wife loves it and it's um, – it's something I want my daughter to grow up being safe around and enjoying. Yeah, particularly where so, you live too. Yeah, yeah. So I've worked out a way that I can go and do stuff. I've, I've got a, a kayak I can pedal with my legs, and that at least allows me to get out on the water and, 
and be in and around them while they're while they're at the beach. Yeah, it's interesting, and I guess for the listeners, they probably think that oh, he's you know, an able body athlete, triathlete, competing for Australia now as a quadriplegic, um, and all they do is probably visualise you in a wheelchair. But you know, for me, I've been fortunate enough to see you know the amount of stuff that you can do. And you are you have got a level of independence, as you say. You you go kayaking, you go bike riding. You've just returned from a skiing trip, um, you know, and, and that must be that must be rewarding. Just those little milestones, and I guess it allows you to, you know, have some normality around your family life. Absolutely, I'm only in a wheelchair when I have to be. So yeah, okay. certainly around the home, um, I walk around my home with crutches. Um, I've got a, an assistance dog that's trained to pass me the crutches when I need to walk from one place to another. So I've got various places I can sit and be in the house and the, the wheelchair just stays in the laundry, to be honest. Yeah, okay. And um, certainly for the two hours that I'm at the gym, twice or three times a week, the wheelchair sits in the corner and I walk from station to station. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I try and minimise the amount of time I'm, I'm in the wheelchair. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's still it is what it is. You, you take it for what it is and you be as independent as you can be. So yeah. I'm in a, in a power wheelchair to get around outside most of the time and um, I use a, a, a modified vehicle that I've learned how to drive to be able to be independent during the day. Yeah, so I guess for other quadriplegics, you'd actually be a bit of an inspiration, wouldn't you? I, I think it can work both ways. Right. Um, they've got to be receptive to the idea of uh, getting out and about. And as much as you sort of think, oh, we can all have a crack, Every everything that I do when run into other paraplegics and quadriplegics, it's the it's the same group of people, whether it's, trying to bike ride in the bush or go skiing, um, it always ends up being the same the same group of quadriplegics, paraplegics having right. a go. Yeah, okay. And, and I guess that's you know, that's all their mindset and how they've processed you know, processed the accident and the injury and Yeah, and we get value out of spending time with each other. Yeah. Um, so those who there's obviously a lot out there who really don't want to help themselves and that's got a lot to do with who they were before the accident yeah. anyway. Um, yeah, and right. yeah, it, and you've got to avoid spending time with those people, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, we'll go at it in terms of the milestones that you've achieved since the accident, but you know, I think particularly when we're looking at this resetting your benchmarks topics, I think for any of the listener, um, setting goals and achieving goals, it really does come... Um, Sort of, it really is all focused around coming up with a plan and staying true to that plan. And I guess your mindset pre-accident was that you were going to get the best out of yourself, both personally and professionally, through your triathlon career and your professional career as an IT. And I guess you're fortunate, Forbesy, that since your accident, you've still maintained that positive mindset and that intrinsic motivation to achieve the best things possible. Yeah, the. I mean, I in some ways I look at my life as being very lucky. I was, I um, had the opportunity to go to university and train myself and um, 
be very healthy, get married and have a child and yeah. and led a led an athletic life until I was thirty five. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Unfortunately, I had the accident at 35, and I guess that's where I sort of came up with the the notion of it was just resetting where I was at at that time, and yeah. I had to start again. Um, but yeah, I think I was very fortunate to have that time before 35 to, yeah. I guess, get the best out of the best years of your body anyway. Um, before I changed my life in one big whack yeah well yeah so to speak and i guess if it had happened when you were 19 it could be a completely different story yeah it's it's i don't know how i don't know how i would react at 19 and and um get on i can only sort of tell my story and yeah and if i'm if i'm speaking to someone young who's had it happen to them all i can do is show them that it's possible to um, get better and, mm. and and make something of your life. But um, to to say that to a nineteen year old, I, I can't put myself in their shoes and sure. and and tell them how to how to deal with it. Yeah. So you know, before we just touch on your milestones since the accident, and then we'll um, get into the health bloke quiz. What are your some messages or advices advice to people out there? Um, in terms of getting the mo- the best out of themselves, you know, achieving what they want to achieve, whether that be, you know, they're finding that they're always failing or they're never achieving the goals they want to achieve. What's your uh, what's your recipe? Well, I think if, if you look at how I've approached my goal setting since the accident, um, obviously I'm dealing with a body that's a lot less capable than others. Yeah. So I think the first thing is to be realistic with... Um, who you are, pick activities that um, you think really suit who you are. Yeah. Um, make sure you're patient and persistent when you approach trying to achieve your goals. Make your goals um, realistic. Yeah, fantastic. And um, and make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew, or or you'll just end up throwing it away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, patience and persistence, I think, are the uh, are really good, really good attributes to bring to the table when you're talking about improving yourself and looking after yourself. Yeah, I think I mean there, there's some fantastic uh, sort of key learning. So I hope the listeners sort of jot those down: patience and persistence, and you know, again, not biting off more than you can chew. And I read on your website, and I'll put your website in the show notes because it's really uh, it is a great. Uh, great website on a number of levels but you talk about that um, you need to think outside of the box of activities that you can do to be active absolutely so um yeah the mountain biking is one for me that um i would never have thought that was possible but um with a little bit of equipment and um the the right I guess the right venues. Um, I'm able to go mountain biking with the family, which is just brilliant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and well, any sport involving a bit of gravity tends to help when you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) When you're less able than you used to be. (laughs) Yeah, and just touch on that for the listeners. I mean, I I know, uh, and I've seen you. You know, on your bike and kayaking. You've recently come back from a skiing trip. 
Absolutely. So um, skiing was really the the one sport. Um, it was a sport that my wife and we, we we skied on our honeymoon. So it was something that we'd always done yeah, okay. together and we, we were a very similar level and did that in, in, in the winter of 2009. So just, uh, just over a year after my accident, I tried skiing in a sit ski for the first time. Okay. And it was really the, the first activity that I'd done where I went, yeah, you know what, we're going to be okay because we're all having a good time. Yeah, nice. And it, it was something that I looked at and thought, yep, I, I can work out how to do this. And it was the first real activity that I did, and I thought, yep, we're, we're going to be okay. Fantastic. And since then, um, you've snorkeled? So, yeah, my 40th birthday, I decided I wanted to snorkel the Great Barrier Reef. So um, I worked out a way just with the um, – I had a particular care at the time, and I trained him on how to look after me in the water, just signals that I had to give if I needed to roll over on my back to breathe. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and uh, snorkel the Great Barrier Reef for my 40th birthday. So that was a, a big goal. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's, it's pretty inspirational. There's probably plenty of able-bodied people that haven't achieved what you've achieved. And if you were to see me on the slopes, Forbes, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd certainly laugh. So <laughs> it's a credit to yourself how far you've come. Um, when we're looking at 2017 and beyond, what, what does it look like for you? Have you got a vision? Have you got a goal? Have you got some, you know, some long-term things that you want to achieve? Or is it just, you know, get up and process things day by day and take it as it comes? Well, again, you've got to – I spoke about realistic goals before. Yeah. The, the, with this condition, the first and foremost goal that I've got is to maintain a good level of health. Yeah. And and that involves consistent levels of exercise, eating the right food, so I, I make sure I minimise sugars so I don't get too heavy. Yeah. And just making sure that I'm in and around um, my wife and daughter yeah. for as many activities as I can be. So that's the first and foremost goal, and that's achievable and it's realistic. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's the first one. There's a lesson for um, everyone in that, I think. That's right. And, and what goes with that is I, I keep coming up with new exercises that I can do that lead to more and more independence and more and more comfort and um, and less less pain, I guess, that I put up with as a result of being more active. Yeah. So they're probably the main goals at the moment. Sure. I, I steadily work on walking more independently and all those things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, first and foremost, it's maintaining a good level of health as I get older. Sure. So I'm 40, 45 this year, so. 45, mate, and going strong. And I guess, you know, again, for the, for the listener, looking after yourself and, and functioning is a full-time job, but you also are back in the, the workforce now. That's right, work part-time, and that's part of mental health too, I think. Part of being healthy as well, I was going quite insane, to be honest, yeah. just doing just doing rehab um, work. You, you really need to balance it up with some level of normality and 
pay a bit of tax again and all the rest. Yeah. So it was it was good to get back in the workforce and I've enjoyed that over the last two years. So just touching on that uh, rehab, how much time a day do you actually spend? Um, I know, you know monitoring your levels of pain and things like that takes a lot, uh, a lot of work, which is an ongoing issue for you. But daily, how much time would you just spend on your body um, ironing out the aches and pains? I just make, I make sure I do two to three hours of good movement a day. Right, okay. So um, some days it's harder than others, and certainly work days – I probably don't get quite as much movement in as that. Yeah. But I've got some equipment at home that I use to make sure I do something every day and there's my bike that I can ride from the front door with a bit of help. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I I do make sure I do a a good two hours most days. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, So there's really no excuse for for the general public that work work a nine-to-five job not to be doing something. That's right, and you know, for me, I look at I I can't walk reliably, sort of even just incidental walking. So yeah, um, I've got to physically make time to yeah. do that movement. Yeah, um, but certainly the the opportunity to do incidental walking and and movement for your for your able body is is something that shouldn't be ignored. Yeah, no, some, some good advice. Um, so is there anything you know you want to touch on before we go into the informal part of the podcast? And if you're happy for me to direct traf- um, some traffic to the michaelforbes.org website, is there anything that you want to sort of leave the listeners in terms of any last piece of advice? Um, I mean, resetting your benchmarks is a great topic. I think you're a fantastic subject because you've been at the elite level and you know, you've been through this rehabilitation process from a quadriplegic to have no independence to someone that now has got a, a pretty good level of independence. Um, what, what, what's your, you know, what are your top two tips in terms of getting the most out of yourself, both personally and professionally? Yeah, I think you've got to be realistic with who you are and yeah, and um, and pick small goals and steadily knock them off. Yeah. So. Yeah, not all of us can be superstars, but we can certainly be the best version of ourselves. Perfect. Um, and I think that's that's all I aim to be. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, that's all we should. If, if everyone was the best version of themselves, we'd, we'd be pretty good people, I think. Yeah, the world would be a better place, absolutely. Well, yeah, some really good, uh, some good learnings there for the listeners there, Forbesy, but... What I want to jump into now, mate, in, in the last couple of minutes, uh, I appreciate your time, is uh, I want to go into a health bloke quiz where I, uh, I encourage you to answer, answer these 10 questions as honestly as you can, um, and I might dig a little bit deeper on a few of them, but you happy to go ahead with this? Yeah, let's do it. Right, mate, so uh, it's just a yes and no answer, or you can, you know, what, what's most most valued or more preferred question number one which I could probably answer myself is what do you prefer exercise versus movies exercise every day of the week nice nice what about savory versus sweets savory no brainer <laughs> very good you did I meant you did say you've cut out all, all sugar so that's a good start chocolate versus cheese that being said I'll have chocolate but dark <laughs> dark chocolate yeah nice nice what 70% cocoa Absolutely. Okay. Water versus juice? Water. And how much water would you drink a day? Uh, I've got to make sure I drink more than two litres. 
Oh, that's good, mate. I'm flat out trying to get the general population to do that as well. So it's water's the key. Um, wine versus beer? Definitely wine. Red or white? Red. Oh, nice. Uh, carbs, no carbs, some carbs? Some carbs. Okay. And how do you go? You mentioned you're pretty strict with your um, nutrition. Do you find that you know, being um, someone that probably needs to maintain as much um, quality nutrition as possible, do you think you're having more protein or what, what's sort of the breakdown of your diet between protein, carbs and fats? Uh, it's not too dissimilar to um, what Apple Bods yeah, okay. would eat yep. or should eat. Yep. But um, the, the key thing that I think um, does me a lot of good is I don't eat any snacks. Okay. So so I have my three main meals and no snacking in between and I only have water. Nice. So uh, that's a lot of that's it's actually quite difficult for me to get snacks and Yeah. Um, but yeah, my body's certainly got used to not snacking. And um, I think that does me a lot of good. And yeah, just on that, um, if I was to look at you pre accident in terms of your weight, what what was your race weight? What were you sort of at you know, um, when you were training, what was your what was your weight? Yeah, so my, my race weight was sixty eight kilos. And what would you be and, now? And I was yeah, I was healthy sort of anywhere up to seventy two. Yep. And um yeah, I, I I sat comfortably at seventy kilos. Okay. And um, I now sit at about fifty eight to sixty. Right, okay. Yeah, so and that's that's really just loss of muscle mass. Yeah, but and to your credit, and I guess for other people that may be listening to that, that might also be a quadriplegic Forbesy, you are a fit uh, quadriplegic. You know, you don't carry any excess weight. You do see a lot of people that do carry quite a bit around their, their midsection, just probably because they don't exercise enough. Yeah, I think it's it's also got to do with the fact that um, there's just no you don't have the same opportunity to burn yeah to burn your your simple carbs like sugar sure. So um, I make sure I eat food that fills you up. Yep. So, you know, you, you'll eat um, – if you eat something that's not quite right, at least your body will say, I've had enough. Whereas yeah. I think if you go down the sugar path, you can keep eating it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, good advice. Anyway, back to my, my quiz. I'm getting distracted here. I could talk yeah. to you for hours. Anyway, uh, book versus magazine. Uh, a book, a good book. What, what are you reading? Are you reading anything at the moment? The uh, last thing I read was the um, uh, Dragon Tattoo Trilogy. Oh, nice, nice. What about your favourite meal? Favourite meal is katsudon, which is a Japanese pork and egg dish. Oh, can you make it or you have to buy it? You have to eat out. I've had a crack at making it, but I've got a couple of good joints that serve it to me for not much money. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try it next time at a Japanese place. What about your favourite holiday destination? Favourite holiday destination at the moment is definitely Whistler in Canada. Nice. And uh, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? My height. Yeah, I'm with you, Forbesy. I'm, I'm waiting for the femur implant. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, uh, thank you for your time today, mate. Um, you know, it's extremely inspiring um, for me to interview you, but I guess for me, I'm fortunate enough that I do see you a couple of days a week in the gym working out, and I know a lot of gym members, a lot of clients get a lot of inspiration just by seeing how far you've come, and also that you know, you're always willing to participate in a bit of banter, and 
um, you're always smiling. So it's a credit to yourself. Thanks, Tori, and um, thanks for the opportunity to chat to the health bloke. No, appreciate it, mate, and I'll put your website in the show notes and direct a little bit of traffic. But, yeah, thanks again, and I uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Very good. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Tori. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Bloke Podcast, talking all things wellness. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Leave a review or share. As we all know that the health bloke wants everyone to make health a habit.